Hello and welcome to Sheer Jashub, a Bible study program brought to you by the fellowship of Sheer Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. My name is Patty Scalzo, and in today's program, my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, will be continuing his Sunday sermon about the Levitical priesthood as we move ahead in our background study in the Old Testament for the Heavenly Authority series. So join us for the next quarter hour, and now let's go right into the study. For the Levitical priest, there was much ritual, there was much adornment, there was much anointing oil, there's a very special anointing oil, I'm not going to read about that. There was much procedure, there was much covering, there were many sacrifices required, so that the people would understand how holy the God is whom the priest would approach. And they needed all these things on them. Yet, with Moses we read that after he goes back up to Sinai, after the golden calf incident, and he receives the new tablets which the Lord directed him to cut, and the Lord wrote the Ten Commandments with his finger on them, we read in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 29, Now it was so, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him, while he talked with God. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron, and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as commandments all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil until he came out. And he would come out and speak to the children of Israel whatever he had commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went to speak with the Lord. You know that in, back in chapter 33 as it's setting up the tabernacle, and it says in verse 11, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Moses did not need all those coverings on him. He didn't need the turban. He didn't need the plate. He didn't need the vest, the ephod, the breastplate. He didn't need all the blue and the purple and the rest. Matter of fact, they put on coverings when they go before the Lord. Moses takes off the veil when he speaks to the Lord. It's as though their coverings cover over their sins to make them presentable to God. But in Moses' case, when he's in God's presence, the glory of the Lord overflows to him. And what he needs to do when he's before the people is cover up that glory. Perhaps for humility's sake, perhaps because they just can't stand the presence of God being reflected out of Moses' face. So he veils himself before the people and uncovers his face 
before God. But for Aaron and for the Levitical priests, they needed garments, they needed coverings to cover their sins. In Exodus chapter 28, in verse 41, again the instructions back the first time when Moses was on the mountain before the golden calf incident. In verse 41, so you shall put them on Aaron your brother and on his sons with him. You shall anoint them, consecrate them, set them apart, and sanctify them that they may minister to me as priests. And you shall make for them linen trousers to cover their nakedness. Apart from all these coverings, they're naked before the Lord. They shall reach from the waist to the thighs. They shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they come into the tabernacle of meeting, or when they come near the altar to minister in the holy place, that they do not incur iniquity or guilt and die. It shall be a statute forever to him and his descendants after him. So it's a lasting ordinance, it's a lasting statute for Aaron and his descendants forever. And then we come to chapter 29, and there's rules for this consecration. They're going to be ordained onto this ministry by Moses. And God, before it ever happens in chapter 29, gives certain rules for what needs to be done for their ordination, for their consecration. And the entire dedication procedure is really an outward sign of this sanctification, this need for holiness in God's service. They bring uh, a young bull and two rams without blemish. They bring some unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, um, made out of wheat flour. They put them in a basket and they bring the bull and the two rams. You read in verse 4, they take Aaron and his sons and he's to bring them to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and you shall wash them with water. So first they had to be washed. And there was a physical symbolism there which obviously has a clear spiritual symbolism. They first had to be washed. Then in verses 5 to 6, they're dressed. You put on the garments, put on the tunic, the robe of the ephod, the ephod, the breastplate, gird him with the intricately woven band of the ephod, the turban on his head, the holy crown of the turban, that plate, in verse 8 and 9, you bring the sons, you dress them in their tunics, gird them with sashes, put their hats on. So they're washed, they're dressed, then they're anointed with oil. And you shall take the anointing oil, verse 7, pour it on his head and anoint him. And always the oil is symbolic of anointing by the Holy Spirit, anointing onto service, onto ministry. So they were washed, they were dressed, they were anointed. Then you read down in verse 10, you shall have the bull brought before the tabernacle of meeting, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands on the head of the bull. Then you shall kill the bull before the Lord by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So you have them laying their hands on this bull, and the bull is then killed as a sin offering. And the laying on the hands, again, is symbolic of placing what was on them onto this innocent substitute, this innocent bull that didn't do anything, they would lay their hands upon it, and really the death sentence that they deserved for their sins was placed upon this bull who was the substitute, and it died in his place, always seeing how it proclaims them sinners. They weren't special, 
They were sinners, and they needed the sacrifice to be able to approach God for their consecration. And then in verse 15, take one ram and it's sacrificed. And then verse 20, they take the other ram. And verse 20, you shall kill the ram and take some of its blood and put it. Now look where they put the blood of the ram in verse 20. Put some of its blood and put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron and on the tip of the right ear of his sons and on the thumb of their right hand and on the big toe of their right foot and sprinkle blood all around the altar. So not only were their sins atoned for because they were sinful, but some of the blood in the case of the ram was taken and put on the right lobe. Because when you're in service of God, it's important how you hear. The ears had to be consecrated. When you're in the service of God, it's important how you hear, how you listen to the voice of God. Blood was put on their the thumb of their right hand to make atonement for it because it's important when you're in service what you do how you perform and the hand is symbolic of the work you do what you perform and then blood was placed upon the toe the foot because when you are in the service of the Lord it's important how you walk and not only that but we read how blood was taken and placed, sprinkled on their garments. So that really that elaborate, beautiful covering that they have on them had to be sprinkled with blood of the sacrifice. They needed to be covered with a sacrifice. The whole covering was a covering to atone for their sins. Otherwise, they could not approach God. They would die. They had different wave offerings. They take some of the fat of the ram and the one loaf of bread, one cake made with oil, and they wave that before the Lord. And then you read in verse 26, then you shall take the breast of the ram of Aaron's consecration and wave it as a wave offering before the Lord, and it shall be your portion, Moses is told. So Moses gets a share out of the wave offering. This breast of this one ram belongs to him to eat. And you see how Moses, as the one who's ordaining Aaron, is actually the greater. And then down in verse 27, you see the provision for Aaron and his sons. And the ram of the consecration you shall consecrate, the breast of the wave offering which is waved, and the thigh of the heave offering which is raised, of that which is for Aaron and that which is for his sons. So provision is made that they have something to eat also. For Aaron and the sons, they get a share. And then in chapter 29, verse 35, Thus you shall do to Aaron and his sons, according to all that I have commanded you, seven days you shall consecrate them. So there was a period of time they had to spend in this consecration, in this ordination process. Seven days they were to be set apart. When you go to the end of Exodus, to chapter 40, this is when it actually happens. Remember, what we read in chapter 28 of the instructions God gave to Moses before the golden calf incident. Now that's happened, and Moses has went back up to the mountain, received the new tablets. They've made the tabernacle. They've set up the tabernacle. 
And in verse 12, Moses is going to start the ordination process. It says in verse 12, Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and wash them with water. You shall put the holy garments on Aaron, and anoint him and consecrate him, that he may minister to me as priest. And you shall bring his sons and clothe them with tunics. You shall anoint them as you anointed their father, that they may minister to me as priests. For their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations. So when you talk of any type of priesthood, continuing on, the only one that could continue on would be, as far as a ritualistic priesthood like this, would be one that would be from the descendants of Aaron. Now we've spoken about the Melchizedek priesthood, the spiritual priesthood, and we'll go back to that in the future. We are so happy that you were able to join us for our study today. We love to hear from our listening audience, so if you have any comments or words of encouragement, please send them along to us. Also, may I ask you to prayerfully consider supporting our church's evangelical outreach. Please send all correspondence and donations to Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut 06405. We would also like to extend an invitation for you to join us for Sunday service if you will be in the Madison, Connecticut area. Sheer Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Take I-95 to exit 61. Go south to Route 1. Turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. Please join us for our next broadcast of Sheer Jeshub.